Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I'm Sean Cowles. I'm Sean Boatwright. And I'm Damon. And what a week of fantasy football we had, boys and girls. Uh, we always talk about and have been talking about, about how good our last weeks are going in. There's you know com- competition on who's going to get what seating, who goes where, but I think the the idea has been expressed enough in chat and on this podcast about how good of a week this was and literally came down to the last drive in that Miami game. Uh, Damon, as you were sitting there kind of looking at your team, hoping they would blow up, what were, what were your thoughts going into that and almost killing Jake? <laughs> I mean, it was – I mean, I know we were all talking about how crazy it was, but I don't know if we're like properly putting into perspective how crazy it was because like – Going into the, the games, it was like, okay, Nick's going 0-2, Boatwright's going 2-0, he's, Nick's out, Boatwright's in, Jake has the 5. And it was the same, that was same story until the third quarter, like, it's like last two minutes of the fourth quarter, and then it's like, okay, Jake could lose, and Nick could get the 6th, and it was, it was crazy to watch. Well, I... I think that it's it's even crazier because my my projections going in was that you were going to like as it was currently set up you were going to beat Damon not Damon um Jake, oh, Jake yeah and I was so, going to get the one right. I was supposed to get the one yeah and so that would have put Jake at the sixth yeah I know <laughs> that would have put Jake at the sixth and me at the fifth because Nick was going to oh two but then Sean Cowles blew up and pushed the median above because what I was expecting it to be both players, you and Jake to get a median win no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. But then Same. Sean played spoiler. And I so was that... literally I was like, okay, this isn't gonna like work out perfect because I didn't want to beat Jake. I wanted Jake to get in the playoffs, but I also wanted to get the median. And here comes Cows like like a sniper from four stories away and just snipes my head right off and I'm saying it's two seed, but yeah, that sniper's name is Will Levis. All right, <laughs> he puts a respect on that man's name. Uh, yeah. That garbage time, whatever that was, that ended up in real world turned a game around that they had no business being in. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll get into all of it. But yes, what a we were literally sitting there, and even even still, as we went into that final drive, if he completes a pass to Mostert, if Tua completes a pass to Mostert, you you probably have it, like a ten yard, twelve yard out, or to a ten. Yeah, or Chan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and Chan yeah. was taking all the snaps because most was hurt at that point. Like, yeah. Well, if Tyreek doesn't get hurt, for Jake's exactly. probably out of the playoffs. So. Exactly. Yep. Well, let's yeah. actually start there then with a few fantasy highlight uh, headlines. Um, and I think the biggest ones are probably all of the injuries that came to fantasy studs. Now, a lot of these guys are on t- aren't on teams uh, that are in the playoffs, but Justin Jefferson leaves early. Justin Herbert's uh, done for the season. Tyreek Hill left and then came back as needed but definitely isn't 100 percent stroud goes out with a concussion and nico collins also out with a calf uh mid-game all of these guys had impacts uh you know on their team less so i would actually say for you know the fantasy season except for tyree kill he obviously if he's in a whole game i think you probably you might challenge boatwright for for the top spot um <laughs> probably, but, yeah yeah but Going forward, which of these players, especially the two that are on fantasy rosters, um, which of their impacts, you know, being out if any period of time could impact their team's playoff run between Tyreek and Herbert, obviously out for the season? Uh, In my opinion, it's Justin Herbert and not for Nate's team, for my team more so. If you talk talk to Nate, uh, he even says that he's kind of glad that Herbert got hurt just because... He was he's been playing pretty bad, and if you have him on your team, you have to play him. So mm-hmm. he's he's looking forward to playing Flacco. Um, but it hurts. It definitely hurts Keenan Allen because that ceiling, that number two overall wide receiver ceiling, that's not there with uh with uh what's his name Easton well, Stick. I was gonna say I yeah. couldn't tell you who's the backup. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my my experience is these things go like one of two ways, right? It either turns into the backup quarterback like leaning on their wide receiver one. And you're going to just get a bunch of, you know, points or catches, um, or not, and then you'll just have like a drought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's worrying that like Eckler is good enough to also vulture a bunch of those like checkdowns oh, for sure. So 
yeah, it's almost half his game and how he was RB one and PPR two years ago. So yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think we'll see. I, I, I hate to, you know, I mean, they both kind of end up hurting Damon's team, which yeah. is unfortunate, but I, I hope they actually sit Tyreek. If there's any significant injury and obviously you can afford the week with the buy, but I, I just personally want to see him get the 2000 yard mark. Not a fantasy relevant topic. I just want yeah. to see him hit the two thousand. Yeah, I want to see him win MVP. Uh, yeah, honestly. Right? But, I, uh, even even if he's out, I mean, it hurts. It hurts the whole Dolphins' offense. So mm-hmm. I mean, well, two, you saw what like, they did last night. They look yeah, they look exactly. Awful. Not not completely crushing for my hopes, but definitely mm-hmm. definitely is not bright in that in that regard. Well, I think I think it is interesting though because I look across our playoffs right, and I'm. I'm not so conceited to sit here and say that like I have a good chance, right? But I think that there's been enough injuries across all of the playoff teams that I see a world where basically any one of us could make a good run. You know? Mm-hmm. There's not yeah, one cause... team that's like, oh, we're all healthy, you know? Right. Because it probably was like maybe three, four weeks ago, it was kind of looking like uh, Nate and I's team was just a, yes. like a step above everybody else. And now... Yep. Nate has his injuries, and I'm stacking up mine. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, so they injuries have definitely leveled the playing field. I'd agree. But looking across some other notable performances, Debo Samuel goes off for 34. Evan Ingram goes off for 32. Lamar Jackson 31, and Drake London puts up 29. All of these guys uh, are carried on playoff teams with Jake on Drake London's on Jake's team. But right, you have Debo Samuel and Jackson. And Damon, you have Evan Ingram. Which of these guys do you think is the best chance to be a playoff matchup winner? And who carries the biggest risk, in your opinion, between these four? Yeah, I, I would say that I don't expect Drake London to go off like that in any, any, any given week. Like, mm-hmm. um, And then my other pick would probably be Debo, right? Debo's been great the last few weeks, and he continues to be great. But it's hard to consistently be great when you have so much talent on that roster. Um, yeah. like. On any given week, it could be Ayuk, uh, CMC, Kittle, or Debo putting up 35 points. Mm-hmm. So those, yeah. those are my two. I would agree with the Debo. If Debo, I mean, Debo has the ability and he's in the situation where he could easily go for 30 a game, um, but then he could very easily go under 10. So yep. it's really like that toss up. I'm really happy to see Ingram finally score some touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been the top ten uh, tight end without the touchdowns. I mean, with the touchdowns, like he, he's blowing up. So. Yeah, I, I think you want to talk about injuries impacting things. I think Ingram is going to see a huge bump because of the Kirk injury two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's a sneaky to make pick his... that that could end up really helping, especially if Tyreek is injured for any period of time, Damon kind of bolstering up your team a little bit for that exact reason, because I think Kirk is underrated as both a real life asset and a fantasy asset. Um, and has been for some time since he joined Jacksonville, if, if nothing else, just on targets alone, he's a poor man. I don't want to say he's Cooper cup. He's a poor man's like Cooper cup, at least in terms of the amount of volume he sees a game, whether he gets production out of that's another story. But I think Engram is athletic enough and just kind of in, in that, in a perfect spot, especially because yeah. Lawrence loves to throw it over the middle. Yeah, I mean, he loves the slot position, and I mean, and Ingram is basically a wide receiver who can play mm-hmm. slot, so yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right, well, let's move on down to then the week matchups and how we got to the playoff matchups we did. Um, the first matchup, totally inconsequential, was me going up against Kevin. Kevin wins. Uh, but the important thing there, we kind of touched on it already, both Kevin and I took median wins. Uh, which ultimately had some impacts later. Um, the next one was Max t- taking on Nate. Nate wins 177-82, takes a median win. Max takes a loss. The first, though, matchup that had some real true playoff implications was Eddie taking on Nick. Like we had said, if Nick had been able to put up some points, he's probably in. Uh, but you know, going up against Eddie, Eddie wins 134-119. to but because of that high score with the Kevin and me game and some other high scores that we'll get into, both of these guys take median losses. What uh, Were there any other takeaways that you guys took away from that matchup between Eddie and Nick? I I will say that I 
like irrespective of my this impact of my ability to make playoffs, mm-hmm. I think Nick's team leaving the playoff bracket is a good thing for everybody who's in the playoffs because his team is probably one of the most complete teams that's not riddled with injuries right now. Like getting Hurts, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, JJ out of out of the playoff bracket or Devontae Smith, excuse me, out of the playoff bracket is a, is a huge win for like playoff teams everywhere. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I would agree. 100%. Um, I guess yeah, my two takeaways. Uh, first off, I guess uh, a yeah, shout out to Nick and Scott for both. I mean, getting to the last week, I think Scott had a lot of injuries this year, and Nick did uh, some unorthodox tra- um, trading methods. So, you know, shout out to them for making it interesting this year and for you know even being contesting in the last week. So, and then. Yeah. I guess for Nick's team specifically, I was talking to Nate about it. I think um, we might be undervaluing the significance of bye weeks and and just what you have to take on if you want to build a team like Nick did. Like we obviously looking at his team. His team is one of his team is definitely a playoff team on a roster. But when you eat those buys to get that kind of team. You're taking a huge risk, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for Nick this year. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. Yeah, I would definitely agree that buys play an impact. I, I, I take a step back and, like, in the grand scheme of things, I think buys can. I think we maybe overvalue buys, like when we're talking trades and things like that. But when it comes to in the last couple weeks of the season, those week thirteen, week fourteens, when the games matter. Yes, those probably are undervalued because you're right. Nick built this on the back of eating a couple of weeks worth of dead buys and it unfortunately killed him. I mean, taking the loss to Nate uh, the week before when Nate essentially did the same thing and punted um, or two weeks ago and then still he took the loss yeah. there also really hurt his chances. So, you know, that's the variance of fancy football and you throw your hands up and say, we hate this game. Like, But um, yeah, it is certainly something to look at going into, you know, maybe next year and see if it adjusts strategies. I don't know, but right, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that his team too, like, and not to because the, the process is good, right? And I don't necessarily think it's bad to take on some of these people, but like, I also think that Nick made a good run by taking on people that were struggling or had some associated risk, right? He took on Justin Jefferson like the week he got hurt. He took on Devontae Smith after Devontae Smith had put up for, through the first seven weeks double-digit points like two times. You know what I mean? And it paid off for him, but ultimately like it, it didn't, right? And I mean, that's how you build a roster, but at the same time, like that's the risk, right? You gotta yeah. hope that they keep producing at a high level, you know, right. I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense. What I'm trying to say here, but I mean, a certain amount of it is just kind of gut call, right? Like, cause right. who, how, how many guys can you look at on a roster? And I think we'll probably touch on some of this a little later on, Damon, with, with the, uh, the chart you're going to pull up. That's a teaser folks. But, hmm. um, th- how many guys are you just like, who, who could have predicted? I'll pull off the top of my head. Kyron Williams, the sent to see this year. Right. Right. But if you have a gut feeling about that guy and maybe you make a move for him or you draft him higher than ADP and he pays off, then, you know, you're going to. So a certain amount of the game isn't just luck, but it's also gut feeling and, you know, following or following up on that gut. So Nick probably felt certain ways about these guys, valued them in a certain way. And, you know, let me me put it this way. And once again, not to not to make any comment on on the moves he made because like there are moves that I would have if I was in a position to made similar moves right I wasn't mm-hmm. opposed to bringing Devontae Smith on my team I just mm-hmm. wasn't in a position where I could go get him because I couldn't take on bye weeks or yeah. take the risk of you know yeah I mean there's just going to be like that risk with anything I was just saying how I was so glad that I didn't make uh my deal with cows for Hertz <laughs> because uh, I probably would have been in a a definitely worse off position than, right. than I would if I got him because you know you just I, I was going to trade Purdy and Ingram right before they blew up and then they both blew up and now they're they're both super hot right so right it's it's just it's just luck of the draw for some some things yeah yeah but we elect to play this game so 
Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the next matchup uh, was JC taken on Kyron. Kyron already eliminated, but JC, I think, could have adjusted his seating here. But Kyron puts up a head-to-head win, 127-122. to Both guys take a median loss. So JC remains the fourth seed. Um, anything that you took away from, from this particular matchup going into the playoffs, especially for, for JC's team? Um, I don't know. Do you worry about AJ Brown and Hawkinson, like where they are right now? I mean, they're scary to play against, but sometimes they can just, uh, you know, be like pretty average for how like nuclear they can go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the big takeaway I did is like for a while, we all thought that especially Minnesota was okay with Dobbs, but it, it really seems like they're going to have QB struggles through the, through the rest of the year. Um, because obviously Dobbs doesn't necessarily have, have it right. And I don't even know who their backup is. And that's probably not, they're starting Nick Mullen now. Yeah. He's a starter. Yeah, that's it. Nick Mullen. And yeah. I don't know anything about the guy. Not that I'm an expert, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know yet. I think that Brown and those guys have kind of saw it. I agree with you that I worry for TJ's production. I mean, even with a abysmal production out of Dobbs as an offensive weapon, Hawkinson still put up 10 points, which, again, is not great, but it's something. Uh, I... I begin to worry a little more about guys like Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Cause we were worried about them coming into season. Then that offense figured it out enough that they were viable to play, but I'm not sure that you can start either of those guys with a Mitch Trubisky led Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Yeah, I agree. And then also Jerome Ford, I mean, with mm-hmm. Flacco in there now, I mean, they threw it like 40 times last week, which is yep. like not like them at all. So Yo. that's also concerning. Yeah, I think that the thing, though, is if Flacco starts to falter, Ford will be in a really good spot um, to to kind of pick some of that up. I just don't know how much Flacco, how good he's going to be. I think he's going to be fine, right? But also, yeah. he's old, you know? Yeah. I mean, flashes at the Jets when he the last time he was a starter, and he had great weapons like Garrett Wilson and stuff like that at the time. But then he also had games where he put up three points. So right. uh, he is still on the other side of being the elite, whatever, whatever elite Joe Flacco was, he's definitely on the other side of that. So I don't know that you feel good as much as Nate will trumpet it in the chat. I don't know that you feel good going in with him as your quarterback either. So um, not to, not to shoot some, some strays at Nate there, but Wait, uh, I think <laughs> shoot, shoot all the strays you want to, to, to defend, to defend Flacco a little bit. I think the Browns are a better team than the Jets are this year than the Jets were last year. I think that the Browns still have offensive problems. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're both elite defenses, but I don't know about offensive-wise if I would actually, like, it's tough to compare. But I don't know. It's all opinion anyways. Anyways, the next matchup, the one we've already talked about a little, the one that had, you know, close to the greatest amount of impact on these playoffs. Damon, you took on Jake. Jake wins in the head-to-head, 149 to 145. Came down to that last game or that last drive, essentially, with Tua taking the sack and unable to even complete a pass just to pick up a couple of points. Uh, so Jake takes the median win, and uh, you took a median loss. Again, I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You know, that's it. I mean, ultimately, you, we 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 all get what we want in that. But right, you make the playoffs, and <laughs> yep. Jake makes the playoffs because I know I was yeah. rooting for Jake harder than yeah. than than most, uh, just because of <laughs> the hardships he's seen at times. So maybe looking ahead to the playoffs, how do you feel about both your and Jake's team, uh, Damon? I, I was surprised, happily surprised that Jake was able to pull it off this week. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned with Jordan Love because you just don't know what Jordan Love you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that wide receiver room is just uh, this very <laughs> lackluster, I guess is the best word for it. So like those are my big concerns, but he's, his team's shown that his running backs can carry him if they want to. Yeah. So um, I think him and JC's matchup, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be – I think – I think they're like similar S teams, and we're like, I think either of them could win. It's just going to depend on matchups. 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll absolutely get into that, but I don't know, but right. What, what did you take away from either of these guys going into playoffs? Yeah, I think that, that it's tough to take like a takeaway, especially from this, like for an individual game. But I think that Mm -hmm. ultimately it circles back to what I said earlier in that, like some of the teams that we thought were like kind of lock-ins are not necessarily right. Um, or like any team could beat any team on like any given Sunday. This is probably the first time I've like looked at a team and said like, Oh shit, like actually any given Sunday. Right. Because I didn't expect Jake to even come close to beating Damon. Right. And I get that like the Tyree kill injury caused problems and two are playing particularly bad at the end of the game, you know? Um, yeah. But I think that it, it really put my, in a different like outlook going into these playoffs is ultimately what I'll say. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I mean, I think Damon, if there's any solace to take, is that this is probably floor for you. I don't want to. I don't want to hype you up too much, but this is probably floor for you when you've got two of yeah. putting up eight points and the struggles that you had. I mean, again, it's off the back of anger putting up 32. But um, the thing that I'm most concerned with for Jake is his quarterback room, because like you mentioned, Jordan Love's had his struggles, um, but I'm not sure that I can rely on Baker Mayfield to keep doing what he's done and you know maybe he'll prove me wrong but he's he's had a bunch of weeks where he struggled and then he pops off for for 20 plus weeks so yeah. uh, in a one in a one game head-to-head playoff man you can't have a baker mayfield of two weeks ago with nine points you got to have this guy and i'm not sure that i put money anywhere near that but if there's a, if there's a year to do it and jake's gonna do it uh from for this team composition you know i mean I'd be fully rooting for him because all he's got to rely on is his running backs to do what they did. Like if his running back room stays as solid as it's been, he, he's got a shot against pretty much anybody. Yeah. And it's like to Boatwright's point, like that's the scary thing about playoffs because one game and we can talk about like, Oh, your team had a bad game. Your, your team had a good game. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about like a long, like season, we're talking about one game. You could either show up or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who's here in the playoffs has a chance basically. Right. Well, I mean, every team except I think Eddie's team. No, not Eddie. No, two of the teams. Like, if you had played three of the teams that were in the playoffs, Damon, you'd you'd have been out because they all scored yeah. above the median. And you know, it's just yeah. So you're absolutely yeah. right that that that's the fun and like double edged yeah. sort of. I mean, I did have Pacheco life. out, but I mean, what's yeah. Pacheco really at the end of the day? So <laughs> right, right. That's not fair. not the biggest piece. Yeah. But all right, let's let's move on to the last one, the one that decided it all. We kind of said going into it that whoever won this had the shot to get in. They had to win the head-to-head. Both guys tried well. Both teams put up respectable weeks. Uh, Boatwright, though, ultimately taking down Scott for the spot in the playoffs. Boatwright puts up 193. Scott, a very respectable 151. Both take a median win, but unfortunately, Boatwright going 2-0 and was enough to, to kind of lock Scott out. Boatwright... Um, this is two weeks in a row now putting up uh, 190 plus points. How, how likely do you feel that your team can repeat what you've been doing the last two weeks? Am I selfishly allowed to say that I think the next three weeks I'm going to put up 190 points every week? <laughs> you can, Damon and I'll shred you for it, but you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, no, I think that like ultimately I had a couple really there Uh-oh. it says uh his thing's going yeah i don't know maybe i'll text him have him I'll... have restart but i don't know anyway while we're vamping and waiting for him to get back i mean what what did you take away from their matchup I mean, okay. if a team if a team goes off if a team goes off one week, you're kind of like, okay, that's one week. A team mm-hmm. goes off two weeks in a row, you know, it's cause for concern, especially we're heading into when we're heading into, and it just looks like his all his guys are clicking right now at the right time, and you know, like that's scary to to face in the playoffs. So. Yeah, absolutely. And without the number five quarterback on the year and Sam Howe, I mean, sure, he got Joe Flacco to prop him up there. But, Bo, are you back with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, there we go. Okay, cool. Uh, but, yeah, if you you were saying about your team. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I for what it's worth, I, I basically thought I was done with with having both Lamar and Howe go into buys. Mm-hmm. And I took a gamble 
and like the team just like stepped up all across the board basically when we needed to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like kind of hoping that Cup is back after his slump. And, you know, I don't know whether like Stafford and him shook the rust off, but I, I really need that. I think is ultimately what it boils down to. Sure, you need that energy. Um, yeah. Well, just because like I, I invested a lot into getting him, right? So <laughs> I need him to perform for me. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, it's it's interesting you look at team composition. If you just looked at your team at the face of it, I mean, your team on paper is maybe the antithesis. Not the antithesis. Um, it's the same as what I would classify Nick. Like, on paper, looking at this year's production, your team is dangerous. It's just some guys just tend not to show up, or if LA has a bad day and you're invested in them, you know, it's sort yeah. of that thing. But I think when your guys are all clicking, you – you could rival the other top teams in Damon and Nate and what your ceiling could look like for sure. So I hope, I mean, I'm <laughs> in the playoffs now. I want to make a run, right? I mean, selfishly, so. I want you to make a run too. So we got something to root for. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and to Scott's credit, I mean, he's back to back weeks where his team plays good. And like, I'll say, I mean, not to where it's like, unfortunately his matchups are just really bad. Like, um, Boatwright and myself both had blow up weeks when his team played good, and it's like that's just really unfortunate. If it, it, to, to to echo your point, I think it always sucks to lose your head to head when you win the median because, like, that basically means like if you any one of like six plus people you would have beat, you just had the bad matchup that week. Yeah, and not even just lose it, but lose it by like a lot because that means yep. that your opponent just went nuclear and you can't do anything about it like right right yeah, yeah. i agree but it, it's that it's that variance of like we still have head dead match but this is why we use a league median system right. to begin with is so that we can try to mitigate a little bit of that but you're right scott makes moves to get himself in this position he has a team that produces and then gets loses by 40 or 50 points each week still to no fault of his own so you right. know um, I think, like, you echoed the point already, Damon. Like, we tip our cap to those who, you know, made their runs and um, did what they needed to do. Uh, it's it's the game. So, but with that in mind, uh, let's look at the playoff standings. And, and while we're pulling that up, did any, were there any other major takeaways for you guys from, from this week uh, kind of as a whole? No. <laughs> All right. Well, then, looking at it, uh, locking up the number one seed. Again, I apologize, Damon. Uh, Nate locks it up 22 and 6. Damon, you're right behind him at the second seed, 21 and 7. I'll just Uh, have to beat you in the keeper playoffs. It's all right. Listen, (laughs) all right. uh, (laughs) Listen, I'm on a downturn in that league, too, but at least least I'm in the playoffs in that one. Uh, (laughs) um, Eddie is the third seed at 18 and 10. JC, the fourth seed at 15-13. Jake right behind him, also at 15-13. And Boatwright rounds out the playoffs at 14-14. and 14. So before we go ahead and jump into looking at the playoff matchups, Damon has put a little something together, something he wanted to work right, right, on, right. Um, where we're just going to kind of look at position-wise, you know, who's got what level of production out of each position, how you drafted, traded for, however you got it, kind of the level of production. So um, uh, I'll leave, I'll let you kind of lead this off here, Damon, when you get that up. Yeah, there's so... a share screen, just so everybody knows. We will do our best to talk through things if you're not mm-hmm. watching on YouTube. Yep. Right. And I will, I can share this spreadsheet with anybody. I can put it into the group chat. Oh, yeah, you put it in the group chat for sure. Um. But basically, so the motivation was I was really, it started off, I was just curious to see who the top players were per position in the playoffs because, like, um, some players are out, like, et cetera, et cetera. And then it just built from there into seeing, like, more and more. And so it, it looks like there's more here than it actually is, but um, I'll go through it as quickly as I can. And um, you guys can both stop me if you have questions or whatever, whatever. So this first is a running back. So I pulled the top 32 on the left-hand side here, pulled the top 32 running backs um, by points. And then I separated it into the top 12 running backs who are on playoff teams, which will be this uh, second chart here and with their total points. And then here's the top 12 non-playoff running backs here in this red chart. and 
I just wanted to see, I kind of wanted to look at if there was a trend in playoff team success per position group. Uh, obviously, trades are going to make these observations not be fulfilled, so there's, you're going to have to <laughs> give and take what you want to see out of these numbers here. But basically, we have the playoff running backs outperforming non-top playoff running backs by close to 200 points here. Um, and then and a lot of that is propped up by CMC, right? <laughs> a lot of it, yeah. A lot of it by CMC, yeah. And then this is a, a little bit slightly more detailed summary. So of the top 24 running backs, 15 of them are on playoff teams. Nine of them are not. Um, and here's the percentages of the total points by playoff versus non-playoff. And then of the top 36 running backs, 36 because some some teams start three, so three times 12, 36, that, that's that number. So 20 of them are playoff teams, 16 of them are non-playoff teams, and the total points per group um, comes out to a little bit more even as the the rankings, uh, the number of running backs increase. Um, so any takeaways from either of you two on, on that information? I think, and, and this probably isn't ultimately like what you're getting at here, but it's wild to me that the CMC team didn't make it in with CMC because he's like head and shoulders above. He's almost 100 points above the number two guy, which when you average that out across, what, uh, 20 games or 17 games or whatever we play. Sorry, the math is failing me. Um, that's almost like 10 points a game. That's a huge yeah. swing in points. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. What I find the most interesting, and I wanted to pull, and I'm looking at it real quick to confirm, almost every team or running back, at least at this position, that is on a playoff team was traded. CMC was not traded. Mixon was, but Bijan wasn't. Josh Jacobs wasn't. James Cook wasn't traded. So I'm not sure if what I think maybe, I know you had kind of caveated it with a trend of trades, but actually it looks like, if you traded and picked up these guys, that is the way to get the elite talent and have a viable path to the playoffs, which that is, is a good point. Is, is an interesting the, correlation. The playoff top 12 was only Derrick Henry, Kyron Williams, Gibbs, Pacheco, as Brian Robinson, probably, I think, is uh, all the, the who were not traded. Mm. So, yeah, purely, purely drafted. Um, this is kind of yep. this is kind of the discrepancy wasn't too big. I mean, two hundred points is a lot, but it's uh, it's not that big, right? No, it's not that big. So yeah. it, it kind of trends to draft who you draft, but then as the leads emerge, trade for those yeah. guys because especially because this league, I think, and in most leagues, we undervalue running backs as a PPR league unless they're a pass catching back. But having that talent in those points is still maybe what pushes you to the end just over right. the course of 14 games. Right. And then uh, yeah, a little um, side note, obviously a lot of it's going to be intuitive because like you would assume the playoff teams score more points than the non-playoff sure. teams, so they right. have better players. So I was just trying to see if there was something to go against that, that thinking. And so then here's a wide receiver, um, the same structure for the running backs. We have the top 12 playoff wide receivers who are right here in the green, and then we have the top 12 non-playoff. And the same, almost not the same, but very close to the same difference in total points scored between these two groups as well. Um, and even, and then when we look at, in the summary part, they're even closer in uh, total points and in just number of wide receivers. So out of the top 24 wide receivers, 12 playoffs, 12 non-playoffs, and they're they're close to even in total points. And then um, the, if you extend it to 36 wide receivers, you actually have more non-playoff wide receivers than you have playoff wide receivers. And this think, surprised me the most, actually. I, I, I think intuitively, like, this makes sense though. Cause like, you're right. That does jump out as odd. But if you think about it, how often do we say like finding wide receiver production is not put it this way. You could have swapped Pittman for Puka on my team and 
statistically, I would have had the same average number of points on any given week. Right. So, like, or, or, in fact, you would even go so far as to say, like, Tank Dell has a higher average than Jordan Addison, and Jordan Addison is a playoff wide receiver. So, like, yeah. I think the point that I'm getting at here is, like, it's not necessarily hard to replace points at the wide receiver. Like, when we're talking about, like, the middle tier, like, the high, like, the high middle tier guys is kind of yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that, that the, the caveat there is that, like, you want consistency out of your wide. Like I would pay more for a consistent wide receiver than I would pay for like, and for me, like I think Waddle last year was the prime example, right? He's viewed really highly. He's a great wide receiver. He's going to put up some real stinkers, but then he'll blow the top off of a game or two. I would rather have a guy that's going to put me up 15 points and a guy who can put up 30 because I can rely on that 15 points every week. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's funny, though, because looking at the trend that we saw in the last one of I grabbed the first top 10 guys, five of them have been traded. So people have seemed far more willing to move an elite level talent at the wide receiver position because of that depth. Um, and it's like you said, I don't, I don't know if it's harder to find. It's maybe easier. I'm sorry. not e- It's not easier to find. It's easier to replace people because they're willing to maybe part with a top wide receiver you can make a better deal that involves you know stefan diggs or chase as opposed to trying to grab cmc or austin eckler in a deal um this you know so uh yeah that's that's interesting though especially how narrow the gap is even at the top talent right yeah it's like it just evens out Mm -hmm. um it just comes down it mostly just comes down to boomer bus weeks as like we're seeing uh, the data just become like more, like get more evened out that, that mm-hmm. uh, positions aren't as, um, they're not as much of a commodity as maybe what we think around mm-hmm. the league. Or yeah. to, to put it another way, how much they're, can you bump back to the wide receiver just real quick? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're quarterbacks. Like look at the court, like the wide receivers that didn't make, the top wide receivers that didn't make playoffs. Chase's quarterback was hurt for most of the year. DJ Moore didn't have fields for six six games. Pittman, Richardson went down. Thielen, Nick, um, Young is playing like crap. Uh, Devontae Adams. Like you want you're you are better off with a guy with a healthy quarterback than you are and maybe this is no shit, right? But like you're better off with a guy with a healthy quarterback than you are a better talent on a worse with a worse yeah. like position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At least no. that's what this tells me. And I, maybe I'm reading the wrong thing, right? I guess I would still probably rather have like chase than DK Metcalf, even with, uh, what's his face Browning throwing him the ball, but you know, yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean, maybe you want to say like, take away who made playoffs who did and just look at these, like, two different groups on like which one would you rather have kind of thing and like the same for the running backs right um i think i, I mean think think we'd all pick the playoff well right. yeah that's absolutely group, but that's yeah. with context right like if you're if yeah it'd be exactly. much more interesting At the beginning of the out, year it yeah. would be interesting yeah right if you blanked out this list and said yeah, without any production. But even at the beginning of the want? year, I would still think that you would pick the green, the green chart over the red. Sure, yeah. Except for probably. Chase, maybe, right? Chase and Diggs. Chase, Chase and Diggs, yeah, but everyone well, else is kind of like, and Devontae. Yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. got pretty panned for that DJ Moore pick, but he turned out to be pretty good. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so uh, moving on, though, and this one was no shock. Um, <laughs> of the top... Of the top 12 uh, quarterbacks, nine of them are uh, in the playoffs and three of them are not in the playoffs. I mean, like, that, I think that is something that we've been talking about playoff reduction for a while, and this one uh, is showing that gap between the producers and the non producers. I mean, this is the the bigger gap. This almost 400 points between playoff quarterbacks and non playoff quarterbacks. yeah, so this one was was pretty pretty intuitive. I would have guessed this one. Yeah, I mean, this has been my position all year. I've been beating this drum like you need two good quarterbacks. Like I, not to not to spoil my draft plan next year. Like there's a non-zero chance, depending on where I pick, I just go two elite quarterbacks, like one two, yeah. and just I'm done with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like I I truly believe 
one of the easiest paths to success in this league is having good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then you can fill out and find production elsewhere for other positions, you know? But you're, the gap that you have, if you're forced to start like Dobbs, right? Compared to being able to start like Herbert even is, is so big. And I know Herbert was wide receiver one. I just picked a guy in the middle of the list, but you get what I'm saying. Right. No, I, I do. What's interesting is I, apparently I'm, I'm my contribution to this is, is talking about trades. Uh, this there's this chart far more reflects the running back chart in that of the top 15 quarterbacks just on the list, only four of them were not involved in a trade at some point in the season. So even though there's such a wide gap in terms of elite production versus non-elite production, especially when looking playoff versus non-playoff teams, how willing this league is to move that production or acquire that production. Um, and, and four out of 15, I mean, that's kind of about, you know, I looked at it and I kind of forgot certain deals were made um, for certain guys. But like, you know, Hal is a guy we you can expect because you're like, oh, we didn't know what we were going to get from him. And then he turns out to be something. But like Lamar Jackson got moved. Uh, you know, Mahomes got moved. Herbert got moved. All guys that were drafted in probably the first three rounds all got moved at some point throughout the season. So it does seem the trend is that even to acquire that elite production, you may not have to do boat right strategy, although I probably agree with your strategy, boat right? Um, <laughs> in that if you want that production, if you're willing to make sacrifices elsewhere, nice, you can find it. A nice segue from what Boat Right was saying, this is a different quarterback thing that I that I mm-hmm. segued into where I wanted yep. to look at what happened with the draft. So I did the first 12 QBs drafted here in the green versus the second 12 quarterbacks drafted and versus the top 12 waiver wire quarterbacks. Um, I can't fit the whole thing. That's all right. Almost. But (laughs) this one was interesting because now we're talking about draft strategy for next year. Um, We have in the first 12 quarterbacks drafted, it it gets hurt by Rodgers not playing the whole year, but they are out. Yeah, they are outscored by the second twelve quarterback drafted, and but they don't quite lose out to the top <laughs> twelve waiver wire quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So this might, if people see these kind of numbers and they they kind of say, I mean, like contradictory to Bowrice strategy, maybe you don't draft two quarterbacks one two, and maybe you try to strike gold here with the yellows. Because you're then you're getting the the higher talent in, in the positional the skill positions. I guess I guess and I and I don't want to poke holes in this because I think that it, there's a lot of good here too. But like Anthony Richardson in the three games he played was averaging like twenty points a game. Sure, right? Like, yeah. and then he goes down and he hasn't played. Do you think this gap closed if you add Rogers, Daniel Jones was a stinker. We're not going to count him. Richardson <laughs> in. I mean, Deshaun Watson missed time. I, think that- I, I agree that, yeah, the gap closes if Rodgers and Richardson plays, but uh, Kirk Cousins also got yeah. hurt pretty halfway through. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe the gap closes and it's more even, but are, is that what you want out of the first 12 quarterbacks drafted? Is it an even yeah. gap between the second me, draft? Yeah, and maybe second? you're wrong. Maybe this is a great for next year. We can bring this back around. I think for me, I would take the... I will take the consistency of knowing I got a good guy in the quarterback room than taking a shot in the dark in the back half, right? With a guy like Purdy, who I liked. My my original plan was not to get Richardson, was to get Purdy. um, Because I expected Richardson to be off the board because of you all are like monsters and just grab, (laughs) you know what I mean? But he was on the board and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that I would rather just trust like having two guys with big names than having to pick one of like <sighs> who would have picked Jordan Love? Do you know what I mean? To be to be the guy he is today, right? Yeah. But that's I see your point, but I just say like if if the likelihood that you can get first twelve quarterback production out of the second quarterback quarterback production and then you can also get high talent as like if you if instead of getting Mahomes you got CMC and then when the second twelve then you drafted uh, like Jordan Love or Tua or Purdy 
like you'd be you'd be sitting really pretty in that in that scenario yeah yeah and you're i'm not necessarily i like i i don't even necessarily think you're wrong right ultimately i think that you're right that is valid i think it depends on your willing or your ability you need to assess your ability to assess a guy right i am more confident picking wide receivers than running backs personally than i am to pick quarterbacks so i'll take the the consensus guys at quarterback higher than i would the consensus guys at yeah does that make sense yeah yeah and i i think that to this point the other thing that again not to parse through this too much is where did you draft these guys right because it's nice that that second group of 12 drafted but like the difference in the draft pick i spend to get you know kirk cousins as opposed to the draft pick i spend to get you know brock purdy or burt you know was because i purdy was the last one taken for and nate took him right wasn't Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, Nate took Purdy. Nate drafted him in the like the last pick because he had that chance. So, you know, uh, I think that there are tiers within these groups that, to a certain point, it's like okay, the second drafted group altogether puts together better production, but I only get to pick two, and which one do I get? So there's a little more detail there. I would actually love to see, and maybe Damon, you and I can work on this if you want, and like do the research just because it's legwork like actually look to see when these guys were drafted and when they were available to pair it against production and see. Um, I was was just thinking about, I think with total points, I should have also done average of the averages for Mm -hmm. the waiver wire because they obviously don't play as many games. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think the averages might have been more informational for the quarterbacks in this instance. If you want to get really into it too, I think it would be really interesting to see. Uh, and I'm just going to pick Richardson because I, I roughly know his stats. That 18.2 average is probably like a really true average for him, right? Where yeah. like somebody mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to pick one. It's probably wrong. Jordan Love. That 17.7, how many of that is because he had like two 30 point games and then a bunch sure. of like four 10 point games? Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. yes, he's average. That's why you have to look at both of the both of the numbers. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. is is it a more true average? Like, I can expect Richardson to put up 18 points a game, or is it? I can expect Richardson to put up 40 points or 10 points, and that averages to 18 points a game. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm more saying the averages for like a guy like Kyler who didn't, sure. who doesn't have yes. the total points, but he has a 17.8 average. Yes, and that's and extremely high. Yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, and to be clear, like I don't even think I disagree. Like I get your point, and I, I agree to it to an extent. Yeah. Um, I think. It's I mean, I, and I think it should be noted that there's one, two, three, four, five, six waiver water quarterbacks that made the top 24 mm-hmm. in the regular season. I think I feel like that's. I don't know if that's a high number or low number, but it seems to me like it's a high number. I don't know. Yeah, it does. It does seem higher than usually. Usually, the you know the numbers that are on the back end. So, it, yeah, it definitely is interesting for sure. Uh, but the last tab actually interests me the most. Um, the last tab. This is what I did the least amount of work, just because it seemed <laughs> like fair. so. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers like speak for themselves. Like the top of the top fifteen, seven are in the playoffs, or eight are out. Yeah, and. Tight ends, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, the total numbers are they're quite close. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, tight ends are. I think I think a different a different uh, analysis has to be done on tight ends in terms of where they stack up with like wide receivers. I think. Well, yeah, and what draft capital did you spend to get that production, right? Because if, yeah, if we looked yeah. last year at the monster year or years prior that Travis Kelsey had, it's a different talk. Cause he was like, I, I know I harped on it, but he would have been wide receiver like five or six at the end of the year last year, this year, the tight end ceiling has, and his reduction has brought everything way down in terms of what their yeah. value. So actually Kelsey looks like. would be around tight or wide receiver 12. Yeah. So that's kind of a different game, especially when you're spending a first round draft pick to get wide receiver 12, yeah. you know, it's a, it's different math. Um, but is it enough of a position advantage at tight end to to get you in? I, looking just at the quick snapshot, you'd say no, right? Um, not I'm not sure least. how many of these guys are still in the teams that drafted them, but still, I don't know. I don't know. But Ray, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that if you would have asked me leading into the year, I would have said yes. 
I think mm-hmm. knowing what we know though, there's it seems like the tight end is moving towards that like Kelsey almost Kelsey model of like a, a big bodied tight end that you can play out of the slot, right? You've got Laporta doing it, you've got Ingram doing it, you've kind of got Ferguson doing it, you've got Trey McBride definitely doing it, who I think given a full year with Kyler is gonna be a beast next year. Like um yeah. You've got the cheat code that is Taysom Hill. <laughs> like I almost didn't put him on the list. Like I almost just like like deleted him from being on the list because I just hate him. <laughs> so like I was uh, not not to get too down this rabbit hole. Somebody was saying that like if Taysom is healthy, he might play quarterback for the Saints Saints this week. And I was like, if that happens, you better know playing him in the tight end slot. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I can't wait to hear Eddie in the chat if that happens. He will. <laughs> And starting you quarterback for the too. Saints is... You hear uh, from me, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but... Uh, there'll be an off-season proposal by Damon to remove his eligibility. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Specifically yep, so in the, the Constitution. That's a little bit of spreadsheet. If, I mean, if, I'll send it. I'll put it in the chat if you guys want to see it. But uh, yeah. I think the waiver wire quarterback tab was my favorite to see. Yeah. Just for I, next I year. I think there's just know. a lot of good insight there. Honestly, I think yeah. it kind of puts into perspective... You know, not just draft strategies for next year, but like how you value a guy and when you value it a guy, right? I think there's yeah. just a lot good there. So that's awesome. Appreciate it. But let's go ahead and with that new perspective, let's go ahead and look to the uh to the head to head matchups. Now, Damon, you get to sit back, put your feet up along with Nate as the one and two seed. Yep. Uh so nothing to talk about with you guys. Uh the first matchup we'll take a look at is the fifth seed, Jake taking on four seed JC. Um you know, we, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but to just kind of really get into it, Damon, you see this one is pretty close, right? The J- JC and Jake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. I think um, I was looking at matchups before last night's game, but I think both of them have fairly good matchups for themselves. So I think. I, it's really going to come down to what AJ Brown, Josh Allen, Hawkinson does. I think mm-hmm. that's that's just what it is. If they play, if one of them or two of them blows up, I give it to JC. If one, of, if they none of them blow up, and they just have average or below average games, then it's really close to me. Bad enough, all right. Is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, I, 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 like ultimately, I think that this is going to be the close, close game. This will probably be one of the closer ones. Uh, hopefully, DK Metcalf can get himself not suspended or kicked out of the game this week. Not suspended. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, I, I always worry about Russell Wilson. Probably, it, like, I shouldn't at this point, but I do. Um, and then on Jake's side, I, I, like Jordan Love is a huge, huge concern for me. Um, same with Gibbs. I don't know. I think it's gonna be really close. Uh, but I guess to pick to pick somebody that I'm gonna get an ed- give an edge to, like I I do think that uh Jake is probably I like his team just a little bit better this week. Though I'll probably be wrong for that, so don't take that at face value. <laughs> yeah, I tend to want to agree with you. Um, I agreed. I I his Jake's quarterback room worries me. But they don't have the worst matchups in the world, um, at least for this week. Meanwhile, Josh Allen's playing Dallas, so that's a concern. Now, Russell Wilson's playing Detroit at Detroit in a dome, um, so and they've shown to be yeah. kind of loose. So maybe I'm that looking at I'm looking favorite. on the app right now on mm-hmm. just on just uh, JC's matchups matchups, mm-hmm. and they're all green. Mm-hmm. Except Pollard and Allen, so that's not good for Jake. Yeah, it's not good, but uh, you know that's what uh, that like means. we said. Hmm? That's what that means. Green yeah, the, is a good color. matchup. Green is a good matchup. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Over. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I still have concerns with Warren, and you know, and whatever, whichever Pittsburgh running back he starts. So. You know what? Just to keep it rolling, I think I'll also go with Jake as my pick here. Damon, are you are you gonna go JC? You're going JC. All right. JC. All right. Well, then let's look at the other one. Uh, Boatwright, we'll let you kind of be last on this since we're talking about you here. But uh, okay. it's gonna be it's the rivalry matchup. Although Boatwright squashed the beef last week, so I guess I have to keep the the, the venom alive. Uh, but <laughs> it's Boatwright taking on Eddie, uh, sixth seed against the third seed. 
both teams probably coming with two of the stronger teams on paper in the playoffs. Um, I don't know, Damon, what, what do you take away from this potential matchup here? Um, <laughs> Eddie's running backs are really good and that's mm-hmm. really good for the time that we're in with the snow, the weather, all that. Mm-hmm. So big plus to him. And I mean, he has two good quarterbacks too. Like you can't poke holes in this quarterback room either, but mm-hmm. Boatwright's team right now is just on a heater, and <laughs> there's no evidence to say that it's he's he's coming down. You know. Mm-hmm. With that being said, though, I've doubted Eddie's team all year, and I will I refuse to keep doing it, and I'm going to pick Eddie. So, right. uh, what are, what do you think? And then I'll I'll kind of wrap it up on on the matchup there. I think that the decision is, or the the win is going to be entirely decided by what Rams team shows up. Is it the Rams team that lets Kyron score fifteen times a game, or is it the one where they just kind of let him open run to open up Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua's catching ability? Um, I think that you you'll probably. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and I know it's going to bite me in the butt. You're going to get flashbacks, Damon, to whenever I beat you with DJ Moore because they're playing the Commanders, and we know that the Commanders are like a pass funnel. They, uh, yeah, they give it up so much. Yeah, and so I think that ultimately, like, Puka Nakua or Cup is going to drop a 50 bomb on it, he said. <laughs> yeah. He's calling his shot. He's, swung, yeah. he's swinging for the fences. <laughs> I'm not going to not take myself. I think, ultimately, I think it'll be a really, really close game. Um, and I, I mean, I, from, go ahead. from what I remember of that matchup, DJ more fifty and you almost lost. So I, did. I don't know if I I'll did. be riding on that too much. I did. Hey, listen, I I <laughs> not flexing at all. I should have lost. I got mm-hmm. I got so lucky that DJ Moore was just like, you know what, fifty mm-hmm. points. Like, um, point is that the the commanders are a pass funnel. So I'm hoping. I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, I tend, I I'm, I'm gonna go with Barrett. I'm gonna go with my boy. I, I have to. I think. Um. Listen, he's got Cup, who I can live vicariously through, because I and, and Debo, because I traded them both yeah. to him uh, before. <laughs> but I just like the strength of his team. It's funny if we go back to that chart about like position ranking versus that. There are so many single digits on both right side of that chart, um, and some of them are defenses and kickers and stuff. But where it matters, and you look at like the forty-five rank for Cup, and you're like, oh, is that true? Like that's not truly. He's not truly the forty-fifth best. And going up against that thirty-first ranked pass defense of Washington, I, I tend to agree. If I have any concerns about your team boat rate, it's Rasheed Rice, and I know he's had good performances the last three weeks. I just, I just don't know if he can continue that. But I think for your sake, he has to. <laughs> so, so, so I can speak to Rasheed Rice. He's up to every week now. Listen, I don't <laughs> think that this matters a whole lot, but I will say every week his route run has gone higher. Mm-hmm. He was at eighty-six percent route participation last week mm-hmm. so that's good news the bad news is the kansas city offense can't throw the ball and nobody on that team can catch so you know yeah it's really the second part they can't catch right damn yeah, yeah right <laughs> so, so. i'll say like to on eddie's side here mm-hmm. for boatwright's team the the re- main reason why i pick eddie is because i like boatwright's team but all his players on his team they could easily not perform due to another player on that team. Like, sure. yes, Gibbs can easily just out carry Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Achan can easily out carry Mozart, and then Puka and Cup can easily cancel each other out. Yes, and that's that would just worry me. Yes, no, I, I, for what it's worth, I don't disagree with you. I I do have some concerns. I don't <laughs> think seventy one hundred ninety points is the floor or is is. Like, I don't think I'm going to keep on this heater, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. happy if Puka or Cup puts up 15 points each. Like, that's a good week for me, mm-hmm. in my mind. Because yeah, ultimately, flex. you're right. They do vulture each other. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, ultimately, but right, you're taking yourself? Well, I have to. I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to not take myself. Yeah. yeah. All right. You have to. Yeah, right. I think you have to, especially yeah. in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you, but right. If nothing else, like I said, I got to root for you. But, um. So we'll see. I mean, it, it, it was a hell of a week 14, boys, uh, and we'll see if we can keep the excitement up as, you know, you guys are – Damon, you get to sit pretty. You don't have to do anything. You just get to sit <laughs> and watch. Um, but, but, right, you, you get the chance to entertain as we go into the last couple of weeks. So any final thoughts here before we, we wrap the episode? 
Mm-mm. No, I thought it was um, a good year. Yeah, it was a great year. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I just hope no more injuries for the rest of the year, and hope just for a clean playoffs. <laughs> clean fight, clean no shots playoffs. blow. Tyreek Hill yep. comes back healthy. Tyreek kills back. Yep. <laughs> Rest yeah. him this week. Rest him. Yeah, that's what you I said. Put I told him on you. your bench. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might. I might put him on bench. <laughs> All right. Well then, for myself, Damon, and Boatwright, thanks everybody for listening. Have a good week. Look forward to the playoffs. Let's go, See you, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.